if you have your Bibles there, it's always a good idea to, to have them open, um, even, if, even if they're on your phones, as someone is preaching. Uh, let me pray for us before we begin. Father, may your word dwell in us this morning, this week, this season, and bear much fruit for your glory. Amen. Uh, Well, Christmas is nearly upon us, and uh, like many things, I feel like, uh, like many things this year, I feel like it sort of snuck up on us, hasn't it? Uh, Except it's not been unanticipated. In fact, this year, more than any other year, Christmas has been greatly anticipated. For some people, it's been the it's been the light on the horizon of what has been a very difficult year. Uh, and yet, for most people, that light is not Jesus. I've been struck uh, once again this year with how secular Christmas has become. Recently, a new Christmas carol has been written um, by an Australian, uh, by an Australian, Deborah Cheatham. It's it's. Um, It's named Christmas With You, and it focuses on the disconnect and the divisions of 2020. Or as the ABC story puts it, Christmas With You, Cheatham's new carol, gives voice to what Christmas means in 2020, lifting our spirits as we approach the end of the year and capturing the festive mood of comfort and joy, as well as paying tribute to our shared experiences. Notice that, according to the ABC, this this carol, this new carol, is about establishing a meaning for Christmas. Here are its lyrics. Can you find your way home Christmas night? There is a star to guide you. It shines with a light I hold in my heart. Can you find your way home Christmas night? Can you find your way home Christmas day? There's so much more I want to tell you, so much more to say. Oh, can you find your way home Christmas day? Can you find your way home Christmas Day? We've been apart for so long now. This year's come and gone somehow and suddenly the summer days are here bringing Christmas. Can you find your way home Christmas Eve? I thought you would leave. Perhaps a star can guide you home this year, light the way and draw you near, near to me. How I wish you were here for Christmas, Christmas Eve. I need no gift beneath the Christmas tree this year. Christmas with you is all I truly need, my dear. There it is, Australia's carol for 2020. Now, ironically, there are a few allusions, perhaps, um, to the biblical Christmas story, but it is thoroughly secular. And I suspect that Christmas has been uh, has becoming uh, increasingly secular because it has been coming uh, increasingly trivial and sentimental. And I suspect that it's increasingly become trivial and sentimental because the Christmas story is often reduced to a certain number of scenes. And yet, as they're taken out of the wider biblical story, it's easy to see why Christmas becomes trivial and sentimental and meaningless. And yet, for Christians, much of the meaning behind Christmas actually comes before Christmas in the Old Testament. 
Uh, so last week we looked at Mary's song, which is uh, famously known as the Magnificat. Uh, this week we look at uh, Zachariah's song, which is famously known as the Benedictus, after its first word in its Latin translation. And it is full, it is full of Old Testament allusions. And so I've entitled this sermon, The Rising Sun. And uh, today, as we make our way through the passage, I'm simply going to be asking and answering three questions. And so the first question is this, why the rising sun? Uh, Well, to begin with, uh, it's actually a quote from the passage. Uh, So Zechariah sings there in verses 78 to 79, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, a shine on those living in darkness. And it's a helpful title because of the way that it pictures the hope that Christmas represents. When I was in Year 9, I went away on a a school camp, um, school excursion, uh, out to Wombian Caves. And Wombian Caves is about three hours west of Wollongong, which is itself about an hour south of Sydney. And for some reason, our school had special permission to enter a cave which was otherwise uh, closed to uh, to the public. And I'd woken up that morning and I'd not been feeling uh, great, um, but I was gradually deteriorating throughout the day. And by the time I reached the case, I was was feeling pretty ill. But of course, I didn't want to miss out because this this is like, this is adventure style caving, right? Uh, Anyway, about 15 minutes into the the cave, I I collapsed. I was so sick to the point of being delirious that, that I couldn't actually go on. And uh, at that point, my teachers had some hard decisions to make because I I hadn't let on the fact that I was feeling ill. My teachers had some hard decisions to make and um, eventually they they left me in an alcove and assured me that they would pick me up on their way back. It was a sort of circuit. It was the longest hour of my life. (laughs) Uh, And I'll always remember somehow a fly had made its way down into the caves. And in the otherwise silent cave, this is the most annoying sound ever, right? And I've got four kids. Um, eventually, I began to hear voices and I saw a faint light and then, and then the bright light of my, of my teachers and, and my classmates. And, and, and that's a picture of what this first Christmas was. Jesus, the light of the world was coming. And the night before the sunrise of Jesus' birth, if you will, had been long and and had been dark. God's people were waiting in the darkness for the light. And, And of course, the faithful remnant knew that the sunrise would eventually come because it was prophesied in the Old Testament, famously, most famously perhaps, by the prophet Malachi, who in the last few lines of the Old Testament Prophesies in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And so why the the rising sun? Because, Because Jesus is this Son of Righteousness. He would be called the light of the world and and the people were waiting for him. Christmas was not unexpected. Christmas was planned. And the meaning of Christmas may be found in those plans. 
Christmas will be trivial. It'll be sentimental. It'll be meaningless if it's taken out of its wider biblical story, which the world often does, but so do we. Which is why I think it's hard for us to imagine what someone like Zachariah must have been uh, feeling um, and thinking because he knew these promises off by heart. He knew these promises off by heart and then an angel appears to him in chapter 1 and promises him a son who would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And we pick up uh, the story today in in verse 58 there uh, where Elizabeth gives birth to this son, rather verse 56. And then we read in verse 58, her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. But Elizabeth and Zachariah knew something that they didn't. Uh, they knew that, that this son of theirs would be called John. Now, John was an, uh, an unusual name. It isn't today, but it was then, particularly because it wasn't a family name. And yet John was meant to stir their spiritual imaginations. The name John was to, to stir their spiritual imaginations because, of course, the name John means the Lord is merciful. And they'd already sensed, they'd already gathered that the Lord had been merciful to to, to Elizabeth, but that was not the extent of mercy that this baby would bring, that this baby would represent. And after nine months, we assume, of speechless frustration, Zachariah sings. And Zachariah's song here, the Benedictus, goes on to flesh out what mercy God has shown and will show through his son John. And so here's our second question for this morning. What has mercy got to do with Christmas? Because it's not the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Christmas, is it? And yet it is the first thing that comes to Zachariah's mind as he reflects on the impending birth of, of his son John and Jesus and Old Testament imagery and promise. According to Zachariah's song, Christmas is about mercy for three reasons. So you ready? The first reason is this. Christmas is all about mercy because Christmas signals redemption. Zechariah begins in verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And so he's actually, uh, he's actually recalling here the great act of, the, of salvation in the Old Testament. God's redeeming his people from slavery in Egypt because, of course, Christmas would bring another exodus. Christmas would bring a new exodus through this horn of salvation that we come across a few times in the Old Testament and particularly in the Psalms. And this horn of salvation David finds comfort in but is also promised would ultimately come from his house, from his, from his line, from his descendants. And if you trace uh, the use of horns throughout the Bible, to raise up a horn of salvation means protection and provision, both of which may be found in Christ, can't they? It may at first appear like a, a bit of an odd image to speak of the person and work of Jesus as sort of this horn of salvation, but it is in fact a very powerful one. And it's a reminder, isn't it, that we can't really understand Jesus without the Old Testament and we can't really understand the Old Testament without Jesus because while the Bible is sometimes fulfilled literally, it is oftentimes filled Christologically, that is, that is in Jesus. 
So second, in verse 72 and 73, Christmas is all about mercy because at Christmas, God remembered. God remembered his, his promise to his people. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, his promise to David and, his, and to his people through the prophets. See, if we don't appreciate that much of the meaning behind Christmas can be found before Christmas in the promise of the Old Testament, Christmas will become trivial and sentimental. In the Old Testament, promises were made. In the New Testament, promises are kept. As we were reminded of last week in 2 Corinthians 1.20, Paul writes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so at Christmas, we remember that God remembered. Not that he was in danger of forgetting, but that despite a long history of his people deserving otherwise... God still mercifully saves his people. And his goal in remembering his promise and redeeming his people is stated there, the second half of verses, uh, verse 74 and 75, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That is, not only are we saved from something, we are saved to something. And in that something, we find our true purpose. And we find our true meaning as creatures. Romans 12.1, Paul writes, Therefore, that is, in light, of, in light of the gospel, in light of all that God has done for you, he writes there, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the whole reason why, why God has done what he has done, so that we might find our ultimate purpose and meaning in, in having a relationship with our creator and worshipping our creator, to restore the balance in the force, if you will. Third, uh, Christmas is all about mercy because at Christmas we celebrate that God brings forgiveness through the Lord Jesus. He rescues See, while Zechariah does praise God for the part that his son John would play in God's plans, he begins and he ends by focusing especially on the salvation that the father planned, that the son procured, and we know that the Holy Spirit applies. His child's birth is extraordinary, right? His his child will play an extraordinary role in, in God's plan. But while John is a prophet of the Most High, Jesus is the son of the Most High. Zechariah says of his child there, verses 76 to 79, says, You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And notice in those few verses that it is because of God's tender mercy that Jesus is who he is and does what he does. And so what has mercy got to do with Christmas? Mercy is the reason for Christmas. I wonder whether, if you do have your Bibles, or perhaps if you're following on your phones, whether you turn with me to an Old Testament passage, to Isaiah chapter 9. 
Because in Isaiah chapter 9, we find, a, we find a very important passage for us Christians in understanding and meditating upon the meaning of Christmas. And many of the themes, actually, that Zechariah sings of are woven together here. So Isaiah chapter 9, and I'll read from verse 2 through 9. So Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And all these verses right, are, pre, are a prelude to these famous Christmas verses. For to us, verse 6, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty. Now that, those few verses there would make a better Christmas carol, wouldn't they? Then Christmas with you. It might be a little bit, a little bit of an ad- a dense Christmas uh, carol. But all these promises of the Old Testament were bubbling away in Zachariah's mind and in his heart. When he put Christmas into the wider biblical story, it's not trivial, it's not sentimental, it's not meaningless, but it is essential and it is serious and it is profound. And Jesus, God is sending the rising sun of righteousness. For too long, his people had lived in darkness and in the shadow of death. In Jesus, the sun was rising where God's will and his way will become clear. And and no longer would his people back then have to plot war and subversion among the enemy nations. Instead, they would know peace, even in the midst of the chaos around them. In a couple of days, we're going to have those three Christmas services, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and Christmas Sunday, the theme of which will be peace. And so you'll have to come along to hear more on that. Well, today we've asked and answered two questions. One, why the rising sun? Two, what has mercy got to do with Christmas? Which means we're up to our third and final question. What is it with Christians singing? Last week, the Magnificat. This week, the Benedictus. I don't know if you've ever noticed this about yourself, but we Christians are very peculiar in more ways than one, but particularly because when we gather, we tend to sing. I mean, we we just heard uh, earlier 300 university students singing a 150-year-old hymn. Talk, Talk about peculiar. 
Even church may be one of the only contexts where you're asked to sing aloud with others. And in part we do it because the Bible is full of examples and instructions to sing. But here's the real reason. God's people have always been singers because God has always given his people good cause to sing. God's people have always been singers because God has always given his people good cause to sing. So this Christmas, as we sing, may we, may we dwell on all that we know Christmas to mean for us and for this world. As we meditate upon the Old Testament imagery and promises we find illuminating and fulfilled in Jesus, may we remember the mercy that God offers in Jesus and that we so desperately need. Because Christmas is not just about giving and receiving gifts. It's about receiving one, the one that matters most, mercy, the forgiveness of sins. And it is because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun has come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Amen.